The Energy Matters to You podcast is a communication platform that features technologies and thought leaders working to advance energy efficiency. The Energy Matters to You podcast seek to connect buyers with sellers so that practical, cost-effective energy efficiency and sustainable energy solutions continue to gain market traction. Hello and welcome to Energy Matters to You. I'm your host, Leo Ryan, here with my colleague and co-host, Ron Galuli. On uh, October 15th, 2021, Ron, good to see you. Good to be here with you. Yes, good morning, Leo. And uh, yeah, we had the fall uh, Boston Marathon for the first time, so that was exciting. Um, A lot lot of changes with that. A lot of changes. There were a couple of local guys I know that ran really well. Uh, Colin Benny was seventh. I don't know him personally, but he went to uh, Wachusett High School. And Paul Hogan, who's from Burlington, ran with my son at UMass Lowell. He was 21st. So it was great to see those uh, performances by some local flavor there. Oh, that's outstanding. Well, how about that that rabbit who went out early, built a two-minute lead, and was still – he was with the the, the, the elite pack at, uh, at mile 21. I'm glad you brought that up because I – he, I saw him at the coming down or right around the top of Heartbreak Hill, and he looked like he was in a death march right there. And then two miles later, he was still with the pack. I said, How did he rally like that? Yeah. And he, I think he finished strong in like 211. So that was 11 and a 209 yeah. day it was uh, yeah. just phenomenal. Yeah, so, he said yeah, afterwards that, was... that he runs downhill really well. So I guess he did. it was a 20 mile race, he could have won the thing. Yeah, <laughs> so. Uh, but yeah, I saw him at the top of the hill and I said, Ooh, they're catching him fast and they'd swallowed him up, but he hung in there. I, I was really surprised. That's amazing. Well, uh, let's get back to a, another form of uh, fast moving things with the, the, the building sector. We've got a great guest. We've got David Goldstein, the CEO and founder of Hydronic Shell Technologies. And before we bring him on, I just wanted to tell you a story. We're, we're going to talk with David a lot about transforming the existing building stock um, so that uh, that those buildings align with what a lot of communities have set for net zero targets. And Ron, I know that, you know, professionally you've been involved with this for for decades now. And I wanted to just share with you a story, part of my work with the town of Natick, right? I chair the sustainability committee. We've got some terrific people involved, you know, engineering folks, we've got a great sustainability director for the town. And the last few months we looked at the, municipal building stock, which accounts for about 4% of the total uh, carbon footprint of our community. Residents are, the, the lines are 65%, and businesses are about, you know, about 30% or so. But so the area we, that the town can control is the municipal buildings. So we take a look at the old library, and we get some great engineers involved, and, we, uh, and we're at the point where we need to be evaluating mechanical systems because they're getting near their end of their useful life. And after all this time and, and redesign proposals, we end up with this ice storage kind of kind of unit. It's fairly complicated, but we get the endorsement of the, the town engineer. But the problem is, this is about a million and a half dollars more than a like-for-like replacement of systems. We're not going to get that through our, our town finance committee. It's just too big a lift. I mean, I can they they might they might swallow something that was more modest, but it's really difficult to, to, to look at the, the challenges we have in front of us as we have a net zero commitment as a town and we've got one building, we've gone through all this 
um, this work to get there. And we, we've run into this, this impasse. You got similar stories in, in your background? Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, sitting at the, I think the AW board meeting, the local board meeting here uh, in August, you know, sitting with some of the engineers there, Massachusetts wants to install, I think, a million heat pumps by 2030. And, you know, they were just talking about the challenges and the practicality of installing those systems on existing buildings. You know, what do you do with the tenants on the inside when you're trying to install, you know, heat pumps? Um, so big challenges in trying to do that. You know, residential home, that's, that's a little bit different. You know, there's a few people inside, maybe they're not there during the day. But if you're talking a commercial building, uh, that's major disruption unless you, you know, have a building shell that needs to be totally gutted and renovated. So there's major challenges in trying to install that many heat pumps and striving toward net zero. So Ron, we've got the right guest on to talk about that. We do. Uh, welcome David Goldstein to Energy Matters to you. Hi, Leo. Hi, Ron. Uh, thanks for having me. Great to be on the show. Yeah, outstanding. So spend a little time on your website and you do a terrific job of laying out what the challenge is. And if you would, uh, tell us tell us what um, hydronic shell technologies is, is positioned to do. Right. So, I mean, you guys led into it really well with that discussion you just had. Um, so basically that our industry is facing this huge challenge that we need to decarbonize our existing building stock. And uh, you know, there, there are laws being passed, like New York City passed a law a couple of years ago, Massachusetts uh, or Boston uh, recently uh, passed or is working on a law similar that basically is going to cap emissions on existing buildings as well as new buildings, but the real challenge is existing buildings. Um, so all these building owners in these cities are going to have to comply with this law, but there's just a real lack of solutions on how to actually do that. And you guys basically hit on it exactly with what you were just saying, which is probably the biggest challenge of it is doing this work in occupied buildings. It's basically a new challenge for our industry. Like our, this is not something that we've really had to do before. Um, you know, we do renovations, we do retrofits, but we don't do these deep energy retrofits, these decarbonization retrofits in existing buildings. It's just a completely new challenge and we just haven't quite figured out how to do it yet. And uh, like Ron said, the biggest issue really is the disruption to tenants in the building, uh, especially when you're talking about like larger multifamily buildings. You know, how do you coordinate doing all this work inside a building, whether it's running new piping, running new ductwork, whatever it is you're trying to do, um, you know, maybe some tenants are cooperative, some tenants are not cooperative, you know, um, just dealing with the logistics of that um, just becomes a huge nightmare. Um, and really, we need solutions that are going to scale, you know, we have in these cities, tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of buildings that are going to have to be retrofit like this. And so we need solutions that are going to scale. But when you have those kind of huge logistical cha challenges, even just to do it in a single building, um, it just becomes impossible to scale that at the level that it needs to happen. So that's that's why we, at Hydronic Shell Technologies, we believe we need new solutions that are non-invasive because um, that's really the only way to get this done. So David, given that this is a, an urgent problem, 
the 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 scale is is enormous, um, and the time is short. Why is uh, David Goldstein the person that uh, that should provide a solution? What what's your background <laughs> that uh, that put you in this spot? Well, so I was kind of. You know, there's nothing special about me, but really I was just kind of in the perfect place at the perfect time to kind of see this problem. So it is largely a problem um, about HVAC. So when you do these deep energy retrofits, there's two main aspects to it. One is we need to improve the building envelope to bring the loads down. That's half of it. The other half is upgrading or even replacing the existing HVAC so that we don't have fossil fuel burning heating systems. And instead we're going to electric super efficient heat pumps. So me, my background is that basically I spent 15 years as an HVAC engineer. So this is you know exactly the type of challenge that I'm positioned to help address. But beyond that, I actually was able to work on a project. Um, it was a pilot project to actually do one of these heat pump retrofits in a multifamily building. And so it gave me kind of a preview that a lot of people haven't tried to do this yet, but I got kind of this early preview through working on this project of what a huge challenge this was actually going to be. Because, you know, just like we were saying, you know, in the early planning of the project, we thought, oh, you know, we're going to install some mini splits. It's going to be relatively straightforward, you know, shouldn't be too challenging. But it was when we actually tried to install it and we realized just how difficult it was going to be to deal with tenants, um, not just the tenants themselves, but you know, the if you want to run a pipe across the room and if a tenant has all this built-in furniture on the wall, you know, they need to take all that down just so you could run this little pipe across the wall. And it's just these logistical challenges were so big. And so basically the reason I think, you know, that I'm that I was the one or I'm one of the people who's trying to work on this problem is just because I had that very early view of it from, from working on this project early on. But I think as people more and more now try to start doing these kind of retrofits, more and more people are going to come to that same realization that basically we cannot do all this work inside the building. We need to find solutions um, that are basically done in a non-invasive way. Uh, so I think more and more people will come to that conclusion. Excellent. Good. Well, let's go right there. So, um, so you know, you've got 15 years in the space. You see the complexities of these large, comprehensive installations. We've got a huge number of buildings that, that currently exist. So describe for us, what, what is Hydronic Shell Technologies? What is the solution that you want to bring to market? So the Hydronic Shell is basically a new type of system that I developed, again, you know, seeing this challenge and seeing what we needed. So this solution was developed to specifically address this challenge. And what it is, is it's a way of completely integrating an HVAC system into an outer shell, a, a super insulated shell uh, around a building. So basically you can, install this HVAC system and completely condition the building from the exterior. So for example, to heat the building, you have this new shell, you actually heat up the shell itself 
so that that heat can then radiate through the existing walls and into the building. So it's a way to heat a building with a new HVAC system that doesn't actually require any components, any mechanical components or otherwise inside the building. So that's how you make it non-invasive. And then the other, the other piece of it is when you, when you do these envelope upgrades to buildings, one of the things you do is you make the building airtight because you don't, you know, you don't want outside air infiltrating into the building because that's one of the biggest sources of load and energy consumption in these buildings is the, the leakiness of the building. So when you put the new envelope to bring the load down, you want to make it much more airtight, which is great from an energy perspective, but it's actually problematic from a ventilation perspective because a lot of these older buildings don't have mechanical ventilation systems and they rely on that outside air leaking in in order to maintain some level of indoor air quality. So once you seal off that building envelope, you now need to provide mechanical ventilation as well. So in addition to the heating and cooling, we also integrate uh, complete ventilation system, basically providing fully conditioned, filtered, dehumidified, fresh air 24-7 into all of the apartments so that we're addressing the indoor air quality issues as well as uh, the energy issues. So, so basically what the hydronic shell is, is it's that complete HVAC system and it, it's all integrated into the facade of the building. And then the other, the other piece of it that I would mention is it's really a modular system. So our industry is really moving towards modular for new construction, especially in multifamily. It's kind of a very rapidly growing pace. There's so many advantages, you know, in terms of cost and quality to moving towards modular. Um, so this is taking a lot of those advantages of modular and actually applying them to retrofits. So having all those, all those advantages and, you know, in terms of cost, reducing the the schedule of the project, having less labor on site, taking those principles that are working well for new construction and applying it uh, to retrofits as well. Because again, back to what we were saying before, this needs to scale very quickly. This, this can't be individual little special projects that, you know, that, that we're doing these retrofits on. We need to do tens of thousands of buildings um, you know, every year. So it needs to be a scalable kind of more industrialized approach to actually get that done. Yeah, outstanding. I think I wanna go into the, so, so this technology is really significantly, assumes a significant disruption in the construction space. And you provided the example of some, 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 some growth or some disruption in, in the use of modular technologies. And I think of, I can think of a, a couple of examples in the marketplace. Sirius Energy is the one that comes to mind. They'd raised $140 million. This is back in the in 2012, 2013. And they had a couple of products locked in the construction market. They had a soundproofing energy efficient uh, drywall solution. They had an intelligent glass solution. Um, and they just didn't get the traction that they'd anticipated. So it's a, it's a very uncomfortable story for a lot of investors and a lot of smart investors, folks that are very much aligned with us in terms of the, the need to provide solutions that are going to solve this climate crisis. But ultimately, it was money that you know, wasn't well spent. And you know whether it was a drop in the construction market at the time frame or the technologies weren't right, but certainly some of it has to be the inertia that's present in a marketplace that's a multi-trillion dollar marketplace like the construction marketplace. So 
you know, the, um, this is, I'm not the only one who's going to ask you this question. Uh, how does um, hydronic shell technologies insert itself in, in a multi-trillion dollar industry and make these kind of changes? Tell Talk us through that. Right. Well, that's a great question, and I wish I had a great answer, but that's basically what I'm in the process of figuring out. You know, I mentioned, you know, my background is as an HVAC engineer. It's not my background is not as an entrepreneur or, or something like that. So this is kind of new territory for me. Um, so and but like you said, that's a huge challenge. And the construction industry is notorious for being risk averse and resistant to adopting new technologies. And, you know, I completely understand that, you know, if I'm a building owner, uh, you know, responsible for a big building, you know, do I want to test out some new technology on my building or do I want to do what's proven? Um, so I completely understand it. And so I think the important thing here, the, the important thing for me, even though, like I said, I haven't quite figured out how to break into it yet, but I'm totally convinced that it has to happen. So while I think it's going to be hard, and I think there will be some resistance, I think the fact that it has to happen um, is is ultimately what what will hopefully push us to that point, because you know these laws that I mean that's the big advantage of uh, the the cities and the states that are passing these net zero laws. Um, is basically it's going to force that kind of change. You know, building owners are not going to have the luxury of saying like, ah, well, you know, I, I don't want to try out a new technology, so I'm just not going to do anything because if they try to do that, eventually they're going to start seeing very, very high fines that are just going to be unsustainable. And they're going to get to the point where they have to do something. And they're going to get to the point where they realize that the kind of stuff they're familiar with that they're comfortable with is not going to work and that they need to, you know, adopt new solutions. So definitely in the beginning, I think it will be the hardest, you know, when we need to do those first projects, with those very early adopters, I think that's going to be the biggest hurdle. But once we do get through those first pilot projects, once we show how well it works, um, then building owners can feel confident about it. And then I think, you know, that that's how it'll start getting an adopter at a wider scale. So David, just an additional comment uh, on that. You know, it seems that um, especially this year, I know in the state of Massachusetts, there, there's a, a serious pivot toward greenhouse gas reduction goals, switching from, you know, a kilowatt hour therm type goal. Um, and the local program administrator is going to have a lot of pressure to, you know, for carbon reduction targets. Um, so some of the traditional measures like lighting aren't going to be so as important. And I know Rhode Island, I think, is going to switch to a carbon reduction target in 2023. So it seems like there's some momentum uh, in, in the space to adopt maybe some new technologies, especially in the building space, because there is a big drive toward uh, net zero buildings, but it's like, how, how do you get there? So it seems like your timing is good. So it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out. Right. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And the fact that governments, whether it's local government, state, or even federal governments are, you know, behind this effort to decarbonize means that, you know, while it's a huge challenge, there also are a lot of incentives out there you know they they understand that this is 
going to be a challenge and it's going to need support in the early stages. So, you know, having that kind of government support will hopefully, you know, be a big help in, in getting these technologies developed. So, David, you talk about this um, inside your building confidence and just gave that example of, you know, if, if you're the uh, town engineer for the town of Natick and someone comes forward with a proposal, you want to make sure it works and you got to walk before you run. So uh, walk with us. Uh, what happens next? What, what, do you, what do you need to show to the marketplace? Right. So basically, just to step back for a quick second, one one of the advantages of the hydronic shell system, and it's a, it's a little hard to, you know, explain how it works without, you know, a visual to kind of help people understand what it is. So, um, you know, if, if anyone wants to actually see it to better understand it, you know, we have a lot of images on our website and stuff like that, that they can check out. Um, but basically, the good thing about how our system works is that it's pretty much using existing HVAC components, existing HVAC, you know, means and methods. It's, it's ductwork, it's piping, all typical stuff that contractors are used to. It's, um, we basically have this one custom piece of our unit, which is the way we deliver the conditioning into the apartment, essentially from the exterior, from the new shell. We call that component the hydro box. Uh, it's kind of, a mix between a fan coil unit and a chilled beam. Um, so that's our one custom component that we needed to make our system work. And we have actually built our first prototypes of that custom component. So that's been uh, a big step for us. Now the next step is to build an actual prototype on the system scale. So to actually take that hydro box but hook it up to the piping, hook it up to ductwork, hook it up to you know a chilled water and hot water system, up to a ventilation system, so that we actually have a fully functioning system prototype to show how it works once you bring all those pieces together. Um, so that's what we're working on right now. That in itself is a challenge just to get that built. Um, but you know we're we're in in the process of, of trying to get that done. And then once that prototype is built, showing how the system works, how the pieces come together then we can take the next step of actually doing real pilot projects on real buildings. And you get to that, that pilot stage, um, there's a lot of different parties involved, right? So you just walked us through this uh, mechanical engineering component, kind of bench top, let's build the prototype. But um, I imagine at this point here, you're trying to get the word out and, and network people can you talk to us a little bit about uh, who, who needs to be in that network? Who needs to hear this message? Who needs to, to join, join your team in some capacity? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a great point. That is part of the challenge is that there's so many different stakeholders. You know, no one person has all the expertise to de deliver any, you know, kind of solution for this. So, so we do need more people to be involved. So, you know, I have a good amount of HVAC expertise, um, but this is about much more than HVAC. You know, we need the facade component of this. So, you know, our HVAC needs to integrate into this new facade. So there's, you know, a lot of facade expertise that's needed. Um, but also just the logistics of building it. You know, we need a contractor on board who's ready to build this. We need, um, 
we need the building owners who are ready to uh, to be those early adopters and to to do a pilot project. We need, you know, whether it's code officials, you know, to be supportive and, and to um, to give us the leeway to do something new and not be overly restrictive on you know on what we're allowed to do. We need the financing in place to do those pilot projects. You know, it's all all the you know, any construction project is complicated. These issues that I'm mentioning, whether it's code or financing, that's that's any uh, construction project can be complicated. It's just um, kind of at a whole nother level when you're talking about a new technology uh, that people are unfamiliar with. But but so we do we do need to start bringing in all these other stakeholders in order to get to that point. Um, I think for our first prototype. Um, that we're working on now, it, it's a little simpler because we're not doing it on a real building. But then once we get to a real building, that's when we really need um, to have all those people on board to make this possible. So, so David, yeah, we definitely admire your your vision and passion. Uh, you know, moving uh, multifamily buildings toward net zero. Um, so. You know, I'm encouraged, you know, Leo mentioned the investment in serious energy, you know, and that was well over a decade ago. So it seems like the momentum is there. So you should hopefully, we hope that you'll have some investors soon to help you move through these phases, um, you know, to, to uh, prove the concept. Yeah, I hope so. Um, you know, as I mentioned, this whole entrepreneurship thing is new to me. And so part of the new landscape I have to learn to navigate is the investor landscape and, you know, how to talk to investors, how to meet those investors, you know, how, how to, you know, formulate agreements, you know, terms with those investors. Um, so that's, that's all new, but like for me, but like you said, um, the investment community certainly knows that this is a huge area of need. And I think, you know, they see it as a big opportunity as well. I mean, you know, a lot of people talk about what a challenge this is, and it is, it's a huge challenge, but that challenge is also equal to a huge opportunity because, uh, you know, think about all the money that needs to be spent um, to do these kind of retrofits, just the, the business, the economic opportunity for anyone who can develop a new solution is really huge. You know, this is a global problem. You know, we can talk about New York City and Boston and, and those alone, you know, make up huge markets for this, but really it's a global challenge. So it's just such a big opportunity for anyone who can come up with new solutions. And by the way, the hydronic shell is not, you know, going to be the right solution for every single building. You know, every building is different. Some solutions will work for some buildings, some for others. So there's plenty of opportunity in this space for solutions. And I think that investors recognize that opportunity. Um, so so that's that's kind of the good news is that that hopefully um, you know they'll be ready to to support this kind of work. David, we always want to make sure that uh, our guests have an ask, that they come on here and they have an ask. And I think that you you just did that brilliantly without me asking the question, because clearly there's, there's um, construction companies, there's building owners, there's investors who see potential here. Uh, those are the stakeholders that, um, that um, Hydronic Shell Technologies wants to integrate with. And so... 
you know, we'll hope that this is one of those tools that pushes out and get the messages and someone from those communities can step forward and, and partner with you to make this a reality. I, I yeah. know Lee, oh, oh, sorry, David. I know Leo, when we did some pre-advertising for David on the show, we did have quite a few uh, comments back through LinkedIn that people were really interested in hearing this. So we, we hope we generate some enthusiasm here. Yeah, I hope so. And, you know, if I were to give an ask, it would just be anyone who's interested, just please reach out to me. You know, I'm always happy to talk to anyone who's interested and, you know, whether whatever the role you think you might be able to play, or even if it's just because you're interested and want to chat, um, I think that would be, you know, my main ask is just feel free to reach out. Let's talk. Let's see if there's a way we can partner, a way we can collaborate, you know, just, um, just any way that we can work together to, to move this forward. You know, I, I would love to speak to, in general, just to anyone who's, who's interested. Outstanding. Well, we like to keep these podcasts to about 20 minutes. I'm, I know that we could, we could talk uh, much deeper with you, but uh, David Goldstein, CEO, founder of Hydronic Shell Technologies. Uh, thanks so much for being part of the Energy Matters to you. We wish you the, the best of luck and we'll be watching your progress. Well, thanks a lot. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks, David. Well, on behalf of Leo Ryan and Ron Galuli, uh, thanks for joining us. As always, there's work to be done. Go make a difference.